All right, we'll turn to lesson nine, and we're looking tonight at discipleship. And the goal for tonight is that we want to be disciples so that we can make disciples. So we want to talk about being a disciple so that we can make disciples. Last week we talked about, and it is important whenever you talk to anybody about discipleship that you, that they understand before you begin talking about what it is that you're going to talk about, that they understand the distinction between salvation and discipleship. And that's what we talked about last week. And we realize that there is a distinction between being a believer and being a disciple. Which comes first, being a disciple or being a believer? A believer, exactly right. And many people don't see it that way. They think that you have to get your life right. You have to be living for Christ. And uh, then that in and of itself is what saves you. But you become a believer and then a disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, we talked about salvation costs us what? Nothing. Nothing. What's a verse that tells us that? Um, Ephesians 2.8.9 Ephesians 2.8.9 That's a great one. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So salvation costs us nothing. It's a gift. Gifts don't cost us anything. But discipleship, on the other hand, costs us what? Everything. Costs us everything. It costs us our lives. And so we give up everything in order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So we see that we are to be disciples of Jesus Christ and God's plan um, for us as believers is to become disciples and then to do what? Train others. Train others and, and evangelize. So that is to make disciples. And it goes back to Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20. So here we go. Let me ask you a question. Who can quote that? Because that's our one of our memory verses that we've already supposed to have learned. You want to do it? Sure. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Great job. Good job. All right. Um, but there we see God's plan for us is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus goes up to His disciples, to the ones who were His disciples, and He tells them to do what? To make disciples. And so we are to be disciples so that we can make disciples. And that's what it says down there. We are to make disciples. To make disciples, we must be a disciple. If we don't reinvest in others, we'll grow spiritually stale and be as a stagnant as a lifeless pond. And that's what Rocky Fleming says you know, and so we need, we've got to be reinvesting, reinvesting our lives into others because reinvesting our lives into others is what causes spiritual growth in our own lives. You know, it's one thing to have, have a quiet time and to spend time alone with God and, 
and to trust Him in the things that are going on in your life. But it's yet another thing to get into another person's life, to invest in them, to, to equip them and train them in the truths of God's Word. Because if you're going to do that, then it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take energy. It's going to take a sacrifice of your time, effort, and energy. And then also, it's going to take time to prepare to teach them. And as you're preparing to teach them, then what are you going to do? For yourself, you're going to grow, exactly. You're going to have spiritual growth in your life whenever you're reinvesting your life into others' lives. So what is the goal and plan for our lives? And we've talked about this a little bit before, and it's according to Romans 8.29. What is the plan for our lives? Exactly, to be conformed to the image of His Son. And that's what, that's what our goal is. We're to be like Christ in everything that we say and do. You know, if you look at the Gospel of John, there's seven I Am statements. So Jesus, through what He says, He, he shows that He's God, and He states that He's God, and then He has seven miracles that you find in there in the Gospel of John to show that He is God. God and through so through his words and his deeds he shows himself to be God and the same thing needs to be true of us in what we say and what we do we need to look like Christ because that's our ultimate goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ people are looking for other people to help them see Jesus like we see him not just as someone who is our Savior, but someone who is an intimate friend, someone whom we are abiding with, someone who sticks closer than a brother. And so that's what we need to be doing. People are looking for people. They want to, they want to grow. There's a believers all in the body that want to grow. They need someone to, to push them. They need someone to just give them accountability to be in the Word on a regular basis. They need someone to teach them, to train them. And that's what we can be doing, and that's what we're supposed to be doing as those who make disciples. So, what is the plan for us to be conformed to the image of Christ? And it takes us back to a passage that we've looked at a couple of times already, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And... Um, Exactly. So look at Romans 12, 1 and 2 again real quick there. Um, like I said, we've looked at it a few times. Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, I beg of you, brethren, by the mercy of God, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, which is acceptable, acceptable to God. Um, our spiritual service of worship and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so we may prove what the will of God is that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So what's that command right there at the beginning of Romans 12, 1? Offer our bodies. Offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And the truth is our bodies are not our own. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own? You've been bought with a price. 
Therefore, we're to glorify God in our bodies. And so we've been bought with a price. What was the price that it cost us that we were bought with? Or that didn't cost us. But what did it cost in order for us? Exactly. Jesus Christ and His life. He died on the cross for us. He paid for our sins. He left the glories of heaven. He, he left uh, the glories of heaven. He, he willingly went to the cross of Calvary for you and me. And then He rose from the grave to conquer death. And so it cost Christ His life. And so what should we do? We should offer our bodies in as a sacrifice. So what's the method? What's the method that you see in verse 2 of Romans 12.1? Okay. So not be conformed, but be transformed. And we'll get to what you just said here in just a second. So, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. And I like how J.B. puts that. If you're not consciously being transformed by the Word of God, you will unconsciously be conformed to the world. And so, if you're not consciously, on purpose, being transformed by the Word of God, then you'll unconsciously be conformed to the world. And there's an illustration that I thought of. What happens? You know, we have this law here in the world. It's called the law of gravity. And do we have to, on purpose, get ourselves to the ground? What happens naturally? We're pulled down to the world. But if we want to go someplace, if we want to stand up, it takes what? takes effort. takes energy. And so, the same is true. If we just want to go through life, then unconsciously, the world's going to conform us to be like it. But we have to make a conscious decision on purpose to be transformed. To be transformed by getting into God's Word and, and applying it to our lives. And so, we have to make an effort. The word conformed means to be pressed or molded. And that's what the world does. It presses us and it conforms us. How are some ways that the world presses and conforms us on an everyday basis? Social media. Social media. Because what do you find on there? YouTube. You talking about YouTube and all that? The news, all that. Yeah, all of those Temptations. things. What's that? Temptations. Temptations. Yeah. Distractions. Distractions. <coughs> advertising. What's advertising do? You need this. You need that. Yeah. What do they use to get you to need that? They talk to you by calling you on the phone or seduction. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Pressure you. And so, I mean, that's what the what the world is all about. I mean, it's pressing you into this mold. Um, you know, peer pressure. 
I mean, that's another thing that we have around us that presses us and molds us um, into being like the world. Language. I mean, a lot of times, you know, you can't help it. You're around people, maybe at work, um, that don't use the, the, the kind of language that uh, we would like them to, and but just being around it and hearing it all, all the time, you know, a lot of times it causes us to use words that, that we don't want to use. And so there's a lot of things around us um, that press us and mold us each and every day um, and make us want to be like the world. That's, that's true on that one. When I get around this one girl, that her everyday language, I think, is just the um, bad words. And I'm like, you know, and I have to make such a conscious effort to not, and to talk against it, you know, and just show the language that should be used and all that. It's hard, though, because when you're with it, you, especially if they're angry about something, you start getting angry back, and it's really easy to get into that. And I've had to really pray about that and curb it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you do it. You get around a lot, and then you unconsciously do it. Exactly. And I came back from Vietnam after two years. I come back the whole family center talking to me, you know, while we're eating, you know. And somebody says something, and I say, "Effort," or something, you know. I'm like, "What? Did, where did that come from?" You know. And my mom is like, "What in the world did they do to my boy?" You know. I'm like, "I, I just, I, 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 I was horrible." You know. I mean, it took me a while. I mean, I was around it for two years. Everybody's saying it, talking it, you know. Yeah, so we have to we have to watch the things that are around us. Watch what's coming, what's going in, because what's going to go in is what's going to come out, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. The word "transformed," though, literally means changed. It means changed, but literally in the Greek, it means to be changed from the inside out. And a great example is thinking about a butterfly, you know, um, transforming into into what it is, all of its beauty. Um, but I think transformation, I mean, it, it starts, Ezra 17, Ezra purposed in his heart. I think it's a change of heart. And uh, in coming to a realization, you know, that we were purchased with a price. And what is that price? You know, that Jesus is life. And that, you know, He bore His in his body our sins on the cross and we talked about it a little bit last week that it wasn't just the physical beating and, and everything that he incurred he took all of the sins of mankind mankind upon himself he separated from his father um you know and just thinking about that and us being separated from our child or our child being separated from us and frantically looking for us uh, what it must have been like for Christ there on the cross. It's not just the physical um, the physical beating and, and the bleeding and everything, and that's what we always think about. Man, how bad Christ had it in that sense. But man, just the, the emotional 
um, separation and, and the emotional pain and everything that he was going through as he was separated from the Father. Um, you know, and whenever we have that change of heart and we realize, you know, what it, what it costs for us to have eternal life and um, that what we receive is a gift and we should want to give that gift to other people as well. We should want to train and equip them so that they can be more like Christ, so that they can turn around and teach other people. So it starts with a change of heart. You know, I think that's, that's the key, that we, we can't just make a decision that I'm going to be more godly today because, um, you know, if, if your heart's not into it, if it's just, you know, your mind saying, I'm going to be more like Christ today, you gotta, you got to get your heart into it. You've got to have that desire and that will and that want to. Um, to to change your life to be more like Him. But if we want to be changed to be more like Him, how do we do it? And um, at the end of that verse, and um, Ashley already said, by the renewing of our minds. So we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. So renewing of our minds with God's Word. So that means we've got to be in God's Word. We've got to see what Christ is like. And in order to do that, we've got to get in there. We've got to read His Word. We've got to dig His Word. And whenever we read and dig His Word, then that's what makes that transformation possible. So how do we want to be changed? By watching the TV? By scrolling social media? Or do we want to be changed by the Word of God? If we're changed by watching TV and social media, then we're going to be like the world. If we're changed by reading God's Word, then we're going to be more like Christ. And so, Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks within himself, so is he. We need to change what's coming in so that we can change what's going out. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, where it talks about work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you both the will and the work for His good pleasure. So what are we, we are to work out what God is working in us. And in order for God to be working in us, we've got to have His Word going in us. James 1, 22-25, where it talks about being doers of the Word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. You know, there's a lot of people who are just hearers of the Word. And uh, they go to church on Sunday morning. They listen to what, what is taught. But yet they don't make that application in their lives. But that's what we need to do. We need to be doers of the Word. Not mere hear, hearers, not just hearers who delude ourselves. So as we study God's Word, putting these truths and principles in our minds will be changed and made more like Christ. I mean, you think about it. We're memorizing these scriptures in here. Why are we doing it? Are we doing it just to get a grade on the quiz and and be finished? Sure, we're trying to make disciples. Exactly. So we can use them whenever we're going out and trying to make disciples. Like I said several times early on in this class, I mean, First Peter three fifteen. We got to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us. How are we going to do that? By giving God's Word. By giving God's Word to people. By, by quoting Scripture to them 
rather than just saying, you know, the Bible says somewhere, we can, we can tell them exactly what the Bible says. Psalm 119 says, Your word I've treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, putting God's word in our heart, in our minds, keeps us on the right track so that we'll be conformed to the image of Christ. And so we're putting God's word in our minds so that we'll be more like Christ in our lives, so that we'll keep sin away from our lives. So what goes in is what comes out. You know, you think about it, going back to that passage I said earlier, we're bought with a price. It starts out, you know, that our body's not our own. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And if we feed the Holy Spirit God's Word, then what comes out in our lives? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So what, go, what we put in is what comes out. And so we got to watch what's going in so we can watch what's coming out. Any thoughts? Everybody putting the right stuff in? You know, a lot of times, you know, you say, well, I'm just going to give up social media. And you know it's good to give up social media. But if you just give up social media to go watch TV, then are you doing yourself any good? So whenever we want to replace a bad thing, we need to replace it with something that is, that is better, something that is good, something that is profitable. And so if you say, I'm going to give up social media for a time, or I'm going to give up watching TV for a time, replace it with something that's profitable. Put God's Word in your mind so that that's what comes out in your life. Because we ultimately want to know what are the results and look at the results at the end of Romans 12.2 that the believer will know God's will and plan for their lives. The believer will know God's will and plan for their lives. Whenever we're into God's Word on a regular basis, whenever we're digging God's Word, on a regular basis, then we're going to know what God's will is for our lives. So as believers, we're to offer ourselves to God, no longer being shaped by the world, but being changed from the inside out by God's Word. When we do this, whenever we make this decision, then we'll become disciples. This is the outcome and the goal and the plan for all of us as believers. We want to be disciples. We don't just want to be believers in Christ. We want to be believers who are disciples who are making disciples. But transformation, it takes a conscious effort. It takes discipline. It doesn't just happen. That's why that Romans 12.2, if you're not consciously being transformed by the Word of God, you'll unconsciously be conformed to this world. There are no cruise control Christians. You don't just go through life. I don't on purpose float up in the air. No. On the the world pulls me down. I have to on purpose stand up. I'm not just floating around because gravity pulls me down to the world. If we don't make a conscious effort to get into God's word, then the world will pull us down and make us more like it is.
So see there, Mark 8.34. We talked about this verse as well. To come after Jesus is to be a disciple. We must deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Christ. So God's goal and plan for us is to come after Jesus in order to be a disciple. We deny ourselves. We take up our cross and follow Christ. So we said discipleship is costly. It costs us our lives. We see that throughout those Scriptures. That's what... That's what God's goal, God's plan is for our lives. That's what He wants us to do. He wants us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And He wants us to, to live for Him, to look like Him, and to be disciples so that we can make disciples. So what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Before we look at these things, what are some, what are some characteristics that you think a disciple might have? Not all at once. Just one at a time. Purity. Purity. Okay. Someone who studies the Word. Someone who studies the Word. Loves God. Loves God above everything. Loves God. Love others. <laughs> Love others. There you go. To be a disciple is not only to be a follower, but it is to go forth and he doesn't do something about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how you want to word that? <laughs> yeah. So you don't just follow; you actually. You actually do what what you're commanded to do, and so basically you obey the commands that God has given us. So a lot of those are the examples or the actual things that we're going to be looking at here. Because uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew ten thirty seven through thirty nine, because we're going to see the first thing is a love for Jesus Christ. Matthew ten thirty seven through thirty nine. Somebody want to read that? He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. So what does that say there? I think it says if you put anybody before God, then you're not worthy of His righteousness. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what it says. But look at what it says there, man. He does not put son or daughter before me. You know, we don't... I mean, how... This is a sacrifice, is it not? We said it costs us our lives. You don't put your son or your daughter before God? 
Or are you going to put God before your son or your daughter? Mother or father? God? Mom and dad? You know, there's some people who have to make that decision. I know there's a lot of places in other countries that uh, you believe in Jesus Christ. You want to let people know that you believe in Jesus Christ. What happens? Mom and dad do do what? Kick you out. Kick you out. You're on your own. You got nothing. See you later. You're not a part of this family anymore. I mean, we see it sometimes even here that children are college kids. They come off to to college. They come and believe in Christ. They want to start living for Him. They go back home. Parents aren't too happy about it sometimes. People decide whenever they get here that they want to go on a mission trip. Want to go into missions for full time. Go home and tell mom and dad. Mom and dad may or may not be believers. And so, there's a sacrifice in, in being a disciple. And if you don't put Christ first, then you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's a characteristic of a disciple. Verse 37, it says, the most important relationship in our life is our relationship with Christ. Most important relationship is our relationship with Christ. Verse 38, to be worthy of Christ, we must take up our cross. Publicly stand for Jesus Christ, even if it costs us our life. Everybody knows John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. 1 John 3.16, We know love by this, that He laid down His life for us. And it goes on to say, And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus Christ did what? He laid down His life for us. So what should we do? Lay down our lives. There's a cost. What does it mean to lose your life? Put God first. Surrender all. Surrender all. Give up our lives in service for Christ. Tell Him you go anywhere you want me to go. Do whatever you want me to do. Give up your temporary rewards that this earth has to offer to gain eternal rewards for our service for Him. So down there in the box, we must die to self Placing our relationship with Christ above all else. So think about that. What does your life look like? What does my life look like? Is this a characteristic that's found in our lives?
How come is it always so quiet here? <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? B is love others. John 13.35 John 13.35 All men will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. So all will know we are disciples by our love for one another. And so, what do we got to do? We got to love others in the body. We got to love other believers. We got to love unbelievers as well. Galatians 5.13 By love we serve one another. By love we serve one another. What are some ways that we can serve others? Helpfulness, helping hands. Being helping hands. Be a good listener. That's that's a great one. Fill the need. So if you're going to serve other people, what's it going to do? What's it going to... There's a cost to you. If I'm going to listen to somebody, then it's going to take my time. It's going to take energy, effort. It's not easy to sit there and listen to someone who has issues and problems that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. You're going to get out and do good deeds, do things for them, be helping hands for people. It's going to take time, effort, energy. And you'll betray them to let their problems be your problems. Yeah. And then they die. And another good way that we can serve people is to invest in their lives. Is to invest in their lives. You know, teach them the truths that are that you know from God's word and pass it on because that's ultimately what we're supposed to be doing. That's what a disciple does. So we invest in their lives. So in your box there, it says, as we love one another, investing in each other's lives, we are shown to be Christ's disciples. And then C is obey the Word. Look at John 8.31. Somebody want to read it? So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Okay, notice what it says. If you abide in my word, you are my disciple. 
They had already believed, so they already had eternal life. But if they abide in His Word, if they continue in His Word, then they are truly His disciples. What does it mean? What does the word abide mean? To remain, be steadfast. It ultimately means that it's that vine and branches passage in John chapter 15. You're abiding, you're, you're maintaining a close connection. So how do we maintain a close connection with God? Studying His Word. Studying His Word. Prayer. Prayer. And so that, that's great because how does God talk to us? Through His Word. Through His Word. How do we talk to God? Prayer. Through prayer. And so that's how we maintain a close connection with our friends and family here on earth is we communicate with one another. And the same thing is true with God. If we want to have a close connection with God, then we need to allow God to speak to us through His Word, and we need to speak to God through prayer. Many people think it's what we do for God that matters, but ultimately it's what we do with God that matters. Did you catch that? Many people think it's what we do for God that matters. But what's most important with God is what we do with God. That's what matters. And so we need to be maintaining that close connection. We need to be abiding in Christ. We need to be building our fellowship, our connection with Christ day after day. We can go do things for God all day, but if we don't have time for God to spend with God, then what we do for Him is not pleasing Him. Because He wants, He wants, that's what He died for. That's what Christ died for, is that relationship. And yes, He wants us to do things for Him. But He doesn't want us to be so busy doing things for Him that we don't have time with Him. And the truth is, if we're out there doing all this ministry without any connection with Him, then do we have any strength or any power to do it? Because apart from Him, we can do what? Nothing. Exactly right. In fellowship, we gain rewards. Out of fellowship, I mean, there's no rewards. We can be religious all day long, but if we don't have that connection, that abiding fellowship, then we're not gaining the rewards. Doing things in our own power and our own strength. So we need to obey God's Word. Maintain that close connection, that fellowship with Him. And we'll show to be His disciples. So down there where number three, the basis for our lives is the what? Word, exactly right. We are not to obey just certain parts 
or just when it's convenient. A disciple lives by the commands and principles found in God's Word. You know, you hear people say things sometimes, well, you know, this is not relevant to, to our time. Or this is not relevant to my, to my life. This doesn't apply to me. And so, you know, we'll, we'll pick and choose. Whenever it's convenient, you know, this is, this is right. But this is not really convenient for the lifestyle that I live. So, you know, this part of the Bible, it was for a former time. It's, it's not for today. But we don't pick and choose. We have to live by God's commands and principles all the time. A disciple lives by the Word of God. And then D is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. John 15, 8. Somebody want to read it? My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So we bear much fruit and prove to be Christ's disciples. <clears throat> so that leads us to what is fruit? Look at Romans 1.13. Actually, and actually read Romans 1.13 through 15. Somebody want to read that? 15. Romans 1.13 through 15. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. So what is, what is that bearing fruit in, in that section dealing with? Preaching the gospel, so leading people to Christ, preaching the gospel. He was hoping to obtain some fruit as he preached the gospel to. What about Galatians five twenty two and twenty three? But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Yeah. Okay. So, we see there, character produced by the Holy Spirit is ultimately <coughs> what comes out. Character produced by the Holy Spirit. This, notice it says the fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits. It's singular. The fruit of the Spirit. 
What do you think it means in against such things there is no law? What does that mean at the end of Galatians 5.23? And against such things there is no law. Our choice of obedience. Well, well, fruit of the spirit is joy, and all we have is joy, peace, love, all that. Then we're at peace. I mean, we don't. I don't know. I guess we don't have to have a law because that is how we're supposed to live. Can law produce love, joy, peace, patience, yeah. kindness, goodness? Exactly. That's what it means. Law can't produce that those those characteristics. Love can't produce the fruit of the spirit. And so we feed the Holy Spirit, God's word. That's what's going to come out in our lives. You know there's a lot of characters in this world. Are there not? Yeah. What's if you think about somebody who's a character? Man, that guy, he, he he's a real character. What do you think about that person? Well, he's funny. Funny. <laughs> entertaining. Funny, entertaining. Can be influential. Influential. Stands out. Stands out. Different. And so, whenever you think of somebody being a character, you think of their exterior. They're drawing attention to who? Self. Their self. Most of the time, you know, man, that guy, he's a cut-up. He's a character, and he's drawing attention to self. But what about somebody who has character? Versus being a character. Who does that draw attention to? The other person. The other person, or ultimately to who? Christ. Christ. Exactly right. And so do we want to be a character? Or do we want to be people of character? Exactly. So, you know, that's what we want to be. We want to be people who show the world Christ. Who show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Character usually doesn't have those kind of qualities. He may be fun and outgoing, but he draws attention to himself rather than to Christ. Colossians 1.10 So that you'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all aspects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So bearing good fruit in every good work. So what do we do? We do good works. That's a way to produce fruit. We do good deeds for people. Doing good deeds a lot of times helps open a door that we can share the gospel with an unbeliever. 
it opens the door that we can disciple a believer. And ultimately, what's it doing? It's showing Christ. Christ didn't come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. And so as we're doing good deeds, as we're serving other people, we're showing others Christ. So a disciple lives by God's power, doing good and leading others to Christ. So those are some difficult characteristics that show us what a disciple is to be like. We need to, I think, take this, take some time this week and look at those characteristics and see if those characteristics are what you're like, what we're like. And if they're not, what do we need to change to make us more like that? Because our ultimate goal is to be what? Conformed to the image of Christ. And this is what Christ is like. He wasn't selfish. In that garden, he said, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, God, take this away. But if not, it's not my will be done, but thy will be done. I love, I love God, and I love, I love His will more than my will. I love others. That's why He left the glories of heaven. That's why he willingly went to the cross. He loved others. He served. So the charge, may we be disciples of Christ, offering our lives in his service as we love Christ and others, living by God's word and producing much fruit with our lives. So in summary, number one, we must be disciples to make disciples. We must be disciples to make disciples. Number two, we must offer our lives to God as we take up our cross. We must offer our lives to God as we take up our cross. <clears throat> Number three, the marks of a disciple are seen as we love Christ the marks of a disciple are seen as we love Christ, love others, obey the word, and are fruitful. The marks of a disciple are seen as we love Christ, love others, obey the word, and are fruitful.